This is a Polar Star Podcast. to Better Tomorrow, a series of discussions on national issues through a local lens with me, your host, Tim Duffy. My guests this week are Michaela Tepler and Leah Douglas. They both perform comedy here in Portland, but I invited them on the show to discuss their occupation as educators. We talk about the positives and not-so-positives of teaching in Maine, the amount of effort that has gone into educating during the pandemic, and their cautious optimism for the next generation. This was filmed back in January, so we are wearing masks. Here it is, my discussion with Leah and Michaela. I met both of you through through comedy, and um, throughout knowing you, I discovered that you're both teachers. Yeah, I remember being so nervous when I started to do comedy because I was a teacher before I did comedy. Yeah. And, like, I... Uh, it stinks because of the pandemic. I just really started doing recordings of myself. Like, you know, like, I'm not going to name names. There are people who shadow box before they go on stage, but they do a recording every single time yeah. they're at an open mic. And I just, like, wouldn't do it. I wish you and could I would, record eye rolls. <laughs> I would, like, I would kind of go up to people and be like, if actually, if you could just, like, um, turn off the camera and cut me out because um, I don't want this on the internet. Yeah. Uh, especially because I remember having students who had, there was, a student teacher or something and she was a dancer and she had some sort of audition tape that ended up on YouTube and they were not kind to her about it apparently but I was more afraid of like getting fired even before I even thought I was gonna do teaching my comedy was always I had videos I don't have recent videos at all but I had videos but they were totally private because I was like I got higher aspirations. <laughs> I was like, people, someone's going to use this against me someday. And I say naughty, naughty things. And, but now I have, like, I before the school year started, I um, wrote this comedy piece. And it got published. And I um, was not very nice to admin in it. And I just didn't even care. I was like, what? They, they cannot fire me. And it's not about them. And if they think it's about them personally, we need to have a separate conversation, I think, like, with a like, union member or something. If they get hurt by someone writing a comedy article, they can't handle being, like, a high school admin. Yeah. <laughs> with kids being like fuck out every other minute <laughs> and like pointing out that your eyebrows don't match each other is that something kids do kids just read you whenever if they're if they're they i mean certain students will definitely try intentionally to get under your skin what's more painful is the ones that are not trying to oh. and then they just say something really mean this story i'm about to tell is not that case this kid is intentionally mean but i have been wearing mascara since like i hit puberty i've mm-hmm. never not worn it and for whatever reason i was probably spiraling out who knows why i did not wear mascara that day and the kid <laughs> just looked at me he's like you look like arthur when he takes off his glasses <laughs> oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i what i love to do is I love to show my students pictures of 
my friends and family and have them read them while they're not there. That's fun and mean. <laughs> Which is, it's a little Wait. mean. Wait, so you show them pictures? Yeah, I like show them pictures you know, and of my like, comedy friends. And I was like, what do you think these people them. do for their lives? Oh, and one kid was like, so they write the look like jokes for you. Yeah, like, basically. if you're ever in a roast battle, <laughs> you can just like, like write them what down. What is this guy? <laughs> what are you, impressions? And they're coming up with probably some great material. My favorite is like, I'll, I'll have like a picture of me and my family up, and they'll be like, why are your sisters hotter than you? I think they just like to read. They love it. Read as in be mean and give you, read when, people. When, when I yeah, when I say give you a read, it's honestly you know. I am so sick of visual learners. Like <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> I'm so Tim sick. does not get how how uh, fucking much of a mic drop that would be at like an education conference if someone just got up on the stage and was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm sick of go visual read a learners. book. <laughs> But I, they're like all of my students have always been like so appearance focused, and I think there's a lot, a lot to that, especially that with be. the group of kids that I work with. But <laughs> it's it's just so hard to um, be like. Actually, we can watch CNN ten, and we don't have to comment on every single person's <laughs> flaws. Every single, day. Every single Anyways, minute. Anyways, Tim, do you have questions to us, or do you just want us to bitch about our jobs? <laughs> I want a little bit of both. Okay. Um. What grades do you teach? Um, I teach 9 through 12. It's kind of like a one-room schoolhouse for the high school. Um, and I am certified in English, but um, I teach in an alternative ed program that does, like, cross-curricular stuff. So we do, like, units that aren't separate, like, classes. So we, mm -hmm. the one I always go to to describe it is we did a, a units on the Olympics, mm -hmm. and we had a minute-to-win-it game at the beginning of every class. But then we went into the history of different countries and they, they had to write an essay on like why their city they picked should be the next Olympic city. But we also did mm. math and like graphing with it. So it's like it's all, all everything wibbly wobbly. Together. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I do middle school science right now. I'm teaching eighth, but I will loop back down to seventh next year. OK, I do seventh That's and eighth. kids, kids in there. In their prime. Oh, yeah. And they're in their <laughs> smell prime. Yeah. Nothing smellier than a seventh grader after they hit puberty on thanksgiving break yeah because you're still on that like i don't have to shower every day oh yeah my I, ha I have a joke about this actually where it was like we're well also they're just younger like seventh graders a some of them have already hit puberty a lot of them haven't yet mm -hmm. and they're like just it's edging up on them yeah. and when I started, last year was my first year, and I started, and I was like, oh, they said middle schoolers would smell really bad, but, like, I don't, it doesn't smell that bad. I, it honestly doesn't. And then they went home for Thanksgiving break, and then they came back, and it just smelled like rotten <laughs> genitals. Did they just, all, did just, they all hit puberty they, over so break? So many of them hit puberty over break <laughs> that, and they, like, did, and it, it was, like, soon, quick enough that they didn't realize it yet. Yeah. And so it was just like the purest smell. Well, and it gets of colder. Disgusting so crotch hormones. You're closing the windows oh, yeah. and they're wearing, they're sweating because it's like hot yeah. and cold and hot and cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. They sweat under their jackets. Don't. If smell. they wear jackets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you think doing comedy has, do you think that's helped with teaching or do you think <laughs> teaching has helped with comedy? I will say that like having a natural stage presence. And being able to command attention makes my life a lot easier. Kids, I mean, especially middle schoolers, if you're there, you're entertaining them and you're like loud and in the front being like, 
hello, I'm here. Like you do, <laughs> if you treat your lessons like a comedy act, or at least like the fact that you have to just same idea that you have to keep everyone engaged as long as possible. Yeah. It, it is definitely make things, it does make things a lot easier. I no. think um, one informs the other True. too. Like this isn't going <laughs> to sound good, but like, um, before I started doing comedy, I, my bubble was a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you go to open mics and you meet all sorts of different people. Just the salt <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> and, uh, so now when I encounter a student that I like, I don't connect with, I'm like, oh, there are people out there who are horrible and you've probably encountered them. Yes. Um, and that might've informed why you are this way. Um, but then there's also my kids say wild things constantly and you can work that in. And I did theater before I did comedy and mm -hmm. things like that. So like holding, uh, like people's attention, oh, yeah. um, is always a big Having part of a performance Having a stage art. presence truly, like, I can't imagine being able to teach if I didn't. I'm not the type of teacher that kids are like, mom, I'm going to love you just naturally because you're my mommy sort of yeah. teacher. Those teachers just like have the, it fucking made somehow. Damn. But being able to hold their attention is like huge for me. Yeah. The big thing that comedy has helped me with, like I intentionally, when I'm doing stand up, um, there was a point where I'm like, I have to be okay with silence because silence will make this beat hit harder mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. I, I need to just not care and not rush. And I've taken that like into my classroom because I have to be okay with silence when I ask a question, cause I need yeah. to give them time to think or yes. they need to know that they're not off the hook. If like I, if nobody answers that I'll just drop the mm -hmm. subject and the move ability on. to think on your toes as well. Having yeah. something else stocked up. If there is just that uncomfortable silence. Yeah. And like, I when I first started doing comedy I would have my my sets and like I would interact with the audience but I would never do like like I would never <laughs> just feed off the audience in the way that like other comedians do like I'm not doing like crowd work a lot mm -hmm. um but I, it's it's helpful in comedy to do crowd work has informed my teaching and that like I can't always anticipate somebody's answer and I shouldn't because I should want to know what my students are thinking and how they're thinking so that I can either lead them in the right place or you know let them lead me in a different direction so crowd that's work been really helpful. can make or break both a lesson <laughs> yeah. and a comedy act <laughs> both my best and worst lessons and comedy acts <laughs> had crowd work just moments involved. in life <laughs> like we'll be reading a short story and suddenly we're talking about how if i don't have children i'm gonna die alone and then we're just God. talking about how children are made and now we have a whole sex ed lesson we have to have because he has said some wild things yeah. that need to be corrected what's the can i ask a question yeah, have course. you ever said any like fucked up things to kids like when they ask fucked up questions i will tend to give them an honest response have you ever had like where you've just like sort of unintentionally but intentionally said something um after maybe we shouldn't review I, well i think frequently like my classroom is such a different vibe because it's alternative ed mm -hmm. and um so like i don't have a lot of pressure from parents because the parents are invited into our classrooms and we do um student-led conferences twice a year but they're not hover parents for the most part 
Um, and so my students ask me wild things all the time. This isn't one of them, but online teaching has been crazy in the things that I have seen oh <laughs> and the things that they have said. Like one student was like, I can't join the Kahoot, I'm in the shower. So he had his laptop, I assume, propped up on his toilet with the camera off and he was just living his life. like Just like it, answering. Yeah, and he was clearly paying attention because he knew we were about to play a Kahoot, but he was just like, I can't hit the buttons because I can't ruin this laptop oh, and right now. We should probably, for the at-home audience and perhaps Tim, who don't yes. know what Kahoot is. I do not know what that it's is. A, it's like a quiz platform that's super interactive, and it is absolute crack. To, like, I don't like to compare things to drugs, but Kahoot has somehow created an addicting back and forth that kids will live and die for yeah we play it every day and the kids are like can we do something else but then every time we play the kahoot it's like game yeah. time yeah um but yeah. the craziest thing this year that i've had to say is um somebody definitely like had a bong and they were talking oh about how God. they glued it together and i was like please Please, please don't put fire into that and inhale fumes. Like, do not inhale wacky, like, glue or whatever, gorilla Dear glue or whatever God. it is. You glue Keep that the, hit pure. Like, <laughs> just weed. And I, I didn't go so far, but I just, like, kept going. And they're like, no, no, this is how a bong works. And I didn't crack. I was not like, <laughs> I was oh, not like, oh, that's how. Ma'am. Oh, no, I. <laughs> Wow, we didn't have those back in our day. <laughs> Shell out the $10, get a one-hitter, stop with this madness. They're not expensive. Wait, what Go are you- Go to a are gas you... station. Oh, just a- we're, I mean, I'm oh, pro-bong, well. not for high schoolers, but- Yeah. I, I Clearly, I can't stop it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, they... of course not. I, yeah, when I actually, uh, I taught summer school in your district and the kids were just like talking about oh, how they like to get that. messed up. And I was like, can you not? You're in summer school. Yeah, it's that's... two hours. We are <laughs> this already is just, why like, you're in summer school. This is school. why you're in summer school. Let's keep this out of summer school for the hour and a half we are here. <sighs> With this year and how everything has been. Like, is Kahoot, is that new to, that was around before? No, it's yeah, been around. It's been around. It's been around. Um. But do you feel like you've you've been getting guidance on how to move through this or do you feel like um, you've had to improvise as a young tech savvy person bitch I am the guidance nice. uh, <laughs> no, it, no it's not nice I I am also like one of the youngest people in my yeah. district which is insane because I've been working there for seven years is, yeah. and I'm one of the youngest people there so everybody's asking me how to do things and like I'm I have you some know. co-worker. It's just we're inundated is the thing. Like at the beginning of the year, I think the district wanted to a CYA, you know, cover their ass, make sure that, oh, we've offered you all these things, but not really like given us in depth, which in fairness to them would have been really hard to give in depth training mm -hmm. on in the two days that we had um, set aside for that. Um, but like some of my coworkers have just been so overwhelmed. There's like, here's a new platform. Here's a new platform. Oh, here's a new platform. And um, at, in my district, we're hybrid immediately, which means that luckily not for me, because one of 
like, like I said, I have a co-teaching model and one of my co-teachers is remote. So they have been handling the online stuff, which oh. has been really that made is. our lives easier. Wow. Yeah. But all the rest of, not all of the rest, most of the rest of the mainstream um, teachers who, like I said, I'm the youngest <laughs> of almost all of them, uh, have to simultaneously teach and like in person and online mm-hmm. and like our school um isn't super affluent so it just like does not have the technology to like keep up with that like we don't even have the bandwidth oh to, my like, gosh yeah no, <laughs> teach and do that huge issue good thing none of the students show up when they're remote yeah that's a that's a big <laughs> issue too like what do you do in that case are you just um, like oh, i find at here. the middle school level at least in my district which is less affluent than leah's district it's the only kids who are getting stuff done remotely regularly are gifted or have a full-time parent at home which is rare in my district not the gifted part but full-time parent at home that's rare it's it's a lot to ask of an eighth grader i also just think there aren't enough resources available to those kids. There's only resources for like the lowest of the low in the district. We have like 10 spots at this one community center for kids who are struggling the most, but then it's like most kids are struggling with the online aspect. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's especially yeah. a middle school level. And that's such a hard age. Cause like, let's say 13, you're on that cusp of like, you're not a kid anymore, but still nobody yeah. will listen to you or guide you. Exactly. Or and you. well, and your parent <laughs> expects that if you, they leave for the day that you'll set an alarm, wake up yourself. <laughs> but that is like not possible. I mean, I would because I, um, feared <laughs> in middle school. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my, yeah. I had the fear of God in me in middle school. I would have probably like skipped my first class and then like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I have an orthodontist appointment and then make, make it up. And they would have been like, I know you're lying, but I don't care because you did your work. Well, and there's the thing like with our kids, we keep wondering cause they, the district has provided like hotspots and things for internet to try to like say, Oh, you should once again, CYA to say, Oh, you should be online cause you have internet because we yeah. gave it to you. Yes. We um, too. but like some, we're not united as teachers as like some teachers say you're not going to be counted president if you don't have your video on, which is like really, Oh, it's invasive. It's it's, terrible. It's invasive. It promotes inequality because like if you're poor or like if your parents are doing something that is inappropriate, then what are you going to do? Like, you're just not going to show up for class because you don't want to explain to yourself in front of the whole class why you don't have your video Some of are really insensitive to that. And they're just like, I just need to see their faces. And it's like, no, I think you really just need to get comfortable. It's not about you. With appreciating (laughs) the fact that they are there. Because it's a tragedy. And actually, NPR, it was today or yesterday, posted a piece about how one of the biggest tragedies of the pandemic is just losing track of so many students. Just the flabbergasting amount of truancy um it's really really alarming and seeing that in my school it's just like one of the saddest things I've witnessed what's strange is and um we have more students in my classroom like with hybrid it's supposed to be split and there should only be eight students in a class and that for the most part is what is happening in the mainstream um but with my class we're in a building out back that is a little bit bigger but also 
we are meeting such a big need because we're kind of um, a dropout prevention program mm-hmm. and people are recommended to us. It's it's complicated. I love the program I work with, but we have way more students than we really should safely in that space. Um, I'm, it, we make it as safe as it, it can be and we separate them. Um, but our attendance hasn't been that bad except there have been just like one or two students who just like disappear off the yeah. face of the yep. earth and there's exactly. no way to reach them. And it's them. not the students who normally do that. And you can just tell there are these families that have since April maybe lost their job and are just have been going on by the skin of their teeth these nine months, whatever it has been. And now are just losing it and just dropping off and either going to shelters or getting in toxic relationships for the sake mm. of housing and safety, things like shelter. and safety and stuff like that and it's it's so heartbreaking to just lose these kids and of course our guidance offices are so overwhelmed with how many kids we're losing and it's just it's and really tough of, wah, wah, comedy podcast <laughs> i know <laughs> of course adults have to take care of themselves but what is also bad with these students is that like so many of them need like social work services mm-hmm. and like some of our social workers are remote and like a lot of the time like with these kids like they're not like hello i would like to see a special person and everybody knows i'm gonna leave class oh, and Jesus. talk to my special person oh, like God. you kind of have to wrangle them to, yeah. to go and and after a while when they're comfortable they're like oh this is great and I actually needed this well but also but you can't do that when they're yes, remote exactly <laughs> well and if they're not going to school and then and we don't have contact with them we can't get them their social services it's so oh so is it like you've you've seen it's not just a lot of students are are missing the the online portion but then show up it's just they won't they'll they're just gone there's both so there are kids who there are a lot they're I, I would love, maybe I should, this is what I should do my graduate research paper on is just like the ratios of kids who are showing up and remote doing all four days we have of the tip of the school week we have right now. So there are some kids who show up remote and show up in person. There are some kids, a greater portion of kids who show up in person but don't show up remote and they sort of like just make up everything in the last two weeks of the trimester. And then there's also like uh, an alarming portion of kids who don't show up for either. Or what I'm seeing a lot is that they'll show up like one day a week. So they, so we have kids either come Monday, Tuesday or Thursday, Friday, they'll come like one day and they sort of just slip between the cracks because it's like, well, were they doing work at home? We're trying to figure out if they were actually absent or not when they just like, realistically have missed an entire month of school it's just a logistical nightmare right now I was just gonna ask if that is how your hybrid schedule is set up I have found that um my so group a which is Monday and Tuesday their attendance is like bow 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 they are there and um there is some spottiness with online attendance for them but they they are doing the work at home they're making Mm -hmm. it up but my group two kids it's interesting because I have a lot of kids with trauma as it is And trauma, whether it's, like, just anxiety or PTSD or whatever trauma it is, really messes kids up, I found, chronologically. Mm -hmm. They, like, they don't have a sense of time. Yes. Like, our Or, like, memory that works in the way that they can just, like, understand consistency. Yeah. Our schedule in the school has not changed for the seven years I've worked there. I think maybe we had silent reading once and we took it out of the schedule. But other than that, the periods have been the same. 
And I have seniors this year and not when they're not in school Monday and Tuesday, they're not online and then they can't get a feeling of the week. And oh, then, yeah. But then also they come to school and then they just feel like they can leave whenever because like they're almost adults. They're seniors in high school and nobody's looking after them at home telling them to to go to school during yeah. the time that they're supposed to be. So we have kids just scheduling like hair appointments, <laughs> just like leaving you know, or like, just like not showing up at all. Like they Ms. just Douglas, cannot get a feeling. You always tell us about self-care. <laughs> I'm sure someone's <laughs> done that to you. Uh, no, Darrell has a very strict schedule and he does not like it when you miss an appointment. And then we had to spend a half an hour talking about this man. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know where he works. But does he do hair real And well? then there was like a little bit of a, like a wink, like, is he just a hairdresser? I don't know. And I'm like, Yikes. I'm a mandated reporter. Do I have to tell somebody about Daryl? I don't know. <laughs> I assume that you you do deal with a, a number of kids who are not really super interested in being at school. Do you feel responsible to try to motivate them to be more interested in learning? Or is that something that's kind of not really... It's, uh, in your hands yeah you're I mean, normie i'll let you go first it, oh yes okay so like being a boring teacher is easy <laughs> you print out the worksheets you look up every cent you can look up oh this standard here's an activity for this standard print it out on paper give it to them here you go learn from this packet anyone can be a boring teacher but the goal is to get them engage- as engaged as possible so they can acquire the literacy of that subject so science I mean, I particularly for science, I say, is important to so many aspects of our lives, especially now with disinformation everywhere. So getting them interested so that they can learn because studies show in education, and I'm sure you were told this in education school, the more interested kid is, the better they'll do. So the goal is truly to be the most interesting and entertaining way for them to learn um well i was also going to say not only is it important science but in middle school science is magic oh like no that's why i became a middle school science teacher (laughs) um not to brag shout out to my middle school science teacher he still works in the district that i work at because i work where i graduated from um but he we did uh those like pine wood races with cars he took us to canopy lake park oh boy it's a surprise i'm not a science teacher right now you can really light a fire trebuchets we fling rubber bands across the room i will fling i the rule when i was flinging rubber bands if i fling a rubber band at you i'm gonna do it it's not gonna hurt you but you get to fling a rubber band back at me (laughs) and then we observe how kinetic and potential energy (laughs) work that way um for me, I like it's not only do I feel compelled that I need to do it, I need to do it or else <laughs> it'll be so soul crushing to me that I would have had to, to leave my job, especially in alt ed, because not only are they disinterested a lot of the time, but they're not confident or they're school damaged, meaning like they have had bad experiences in school, which make them continue to have bad experiences in school because mm-hmm. they display behaviors that are not school appropriate. Um, but like when I first started alt ed, it, it was really hard because like I said, they have a hard time with the whole time thing. And so I would have huge absentee issues for like a myriad of reasons. And it's just so soul crushing to see like 
kids not coming and not failing and sitting like sometimes sitting in a we room. We should keep a tally of how many times we say soul crushing yeah. on this episode. <laughs> um, Want to become a teacher? <laughs> Two words. Well, luckily, I am not soul crushed anymore. It was to sit in a room where kids were supposed to be and then they just wouldn't show up. And I had like no recourse because they would be like, oh, they don't care about these kids. So like, don't even don't even bother calling home because the phone numbers don't work or like. Um, so that was really upsetting. But we actually created a whole new program uh, while I taught there and I helped create it where we have them all day. So time shouldn't really be an issue and it's really about building connections Mm -hmm. so it's not just like are they interested in what they're learning but like do they trust you (laughs) like do they have a good time in class because like that's what's going to draw them there sometimes yes the food is going to draw them there because they're food insecure and they don't have food but once you got them hooked with that you can let them know that it's a safe space and or you can let them know that you know science is actually interesting and you can do things with it well and I And honestly, a lot of the time, my goal isn't necessarily to get them to love science, but to get them to know that someone cares about them, too, because that will keep a kid in school. If you build a connection, even if they're like, I hate science, as long as they respect you and want have a back and forth with you, they'll start to appreciate it. And it will be like a positive pressure in their lives to be like, well, I could stop and do all this bullcrap, but. Miss Sepler would be disappointed in me. Yeah, that someone cares about them or that they actually are capable of yes. doing it. Oh because my gosh, yeah. I have had kids who like who insist that they they hate poetry or uh, yeah. or they can't do this, they can't do that. And when actually like we'll sit down and we'll read a poem and then they'll be like, they'll be so angry. I had a kid so angry angry at Langston Hughes once and I'm like what has happened (laughs) so like clearly they understand it and they get it but they feel like there's a certain way they have to talk about it or because Mm -hmm. of that school damage they've been told that they're dumb and that there's certain answers that you need to or that science doesn't apply to their lives yeah or that like why would I write that why would I read that I'm never gonna have to use that and I'm like well you're you're literally passionately telling me something right now what if you had actual (laughs) facts to back you up I know that could be persuasive and make me tell you you don't have to do that anymore yeah or you know I'll get like what is it I don't need to know all this science stuff it's like well if you want to do welding if you want to do any sort of trade there's going to be science if you want to have like empirical thought is just like needed to be a human you need to be able to think scientifically whether you know it or not if you're a mechanic or if you're a genetics researcher you need to know the scientific method mm-hmm. yeah which we could also go on about what standards we teach kids all day. Yeah, I was going to kind of go ooh. ask about that. Like, Because there's, there's got to be such a balancing act between trying to make things interesting and then also sticking to a curriculum. Yeah. And um, I was mostly homeschooled growing up. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah. You're a homeschool kid? That's probably yeah, why you're so nice. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, and so that, pure. I was also Mormon, so. Wait. Oh wait, I might, I might have known this. I think you might have known. You look that. like every ex-Mormon dude I've ever met. Really? Yeah, I've like a couple of them. They all look the same. Nice. They all look like you. Yep. Good That's... old Rim Duffy. I, yeah. I'm gonna say I didn't know this. I know that we have. Maybe I'm just thinking that I did know it because my roommate in a past life looks exactly like Tim Duffy and is a former Mormon as well. Oh. Well, are you That's still tight. Mormon? No. Okay, I wasn't no. sure. I've like seen you drink, so yeah, no. Um, 
that's that's in the past. But I never had to deal with with uh, any testing or anything mm-hmm. like that. And <laughs> is that from what I hear, at least what I heard, like that is kind of a big thing in school is yeah. the standardized testing. Everything stops for the Nuia. I certainly see the need for that, but there's got to also be you don't. <laughs> and um, you would know better. I think we should be monitoring student growth in some sort of, in a way that is documented and standardized. However, the fact that we take standardized testing to determine how much money each school gets is monumentally stupid. Yeah. We should be giving money based on need, not on test scores and the amount of students who take these tests and their performance. And the fact of the matter is that the, all of these tests are incredibly biased. And so some of the questions will totally not make any sense to a student, for example, who wasn't born in the United States mm-hmm. and doesn't know idioms yet, but which has, I think ties into the common core. Yes. too. Ugh, really yeah. Well. well, I don't deal with the common core. Yeah. But I, yeah, there's other things. Uh, standards are totally different. And I, and there, I understand. I love standards. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Kill me now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> standardized testing, I think, is just absolutely silly. And it's just, we've made it useful by constructing a whole infrastructure around it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have vague angry rants and they're different sections that I could go into. I I mean, I'll go into a little sidebar about the IQ test, which is just extremely racist. Uh And that's what all standardized tests are really based off of. Mm -hmm. So you can't have anything that is not, I'll say problematic because it's both racist and sexist and awful. So I'm using problematic to encompass all of that mm-hmm. when it's when it's based off an IQ test. Yeah. yeah. Um, my issue, like like I said with my kids, are that they're school damaged and a lot of them like do not even like going into the main building. We've had to for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons for safety reasons, but also for the SATs, which are mandatory. And they guidance and our school has been really great and really tried to put them in small testing rooms but Mm. even then the anxiety is up and there's a certain way you have to do things with standardized testing or else the whole room like is invalidated um so sorry you're not allowed to have a panic attack right now um is pretty much what happened to me a couple of years ago and i i just like I picked up the student's desk and I literally, I just like took it into another room and I talked to them quietly for a couple of minutes and I just like took their testing packet and I brought it in the other room so it like wouldn't disturb any of the other students. And I was like, we'll just do it here. Like I was supposed to be you're supposed to have two people to co-proctor and like run. And I was like, I am this person's proctor now. It's just like it, you, a student shouldn't have to go, go through, through that, that mental no. anguish to get nothing. Like that Mm-mm. student, while they did get accepted into college at that time, had no hopes to even apply to college. Mm-hmm. So, like, why are we? Well, but we could also just that? get into the emphasis that's been put on college over the past was, twenty yeah. years yeah. that is also monumental, monumentally stupid. Um, yeah. Uh, well, and standardized testing also, particularly the SAT, just assumes that college is the destination for all these students when that is absolute garbage. And that's my probably biggest gripe with the past 30 years of education is how much we've pushed the importance of college education. When in the world we're seeing right now, that's not important. We have a shortage of people in the trades. 
college graduates aren't making enough money and are drowning in debt. Like it will, it will create more generational poverty for a lot of these kids sending them to college. Or like the idea, like college is the only place where you can access like a liberal or humanitarian education. Like Mm. we should, that should be incorporated Mm -hmm. in our ideals throughout so that we create well-rounded people, even if they are plumbers or welders or whatever, so that they can live a happy life and Mm -hmm. communicate with others. Like you shouldn't have to, go to secondary education to make that happen i feel like kids kids should be able to make more choices in school than it seems like they are allowed or exploration yeah Yeah. exploration not to get all miss frizzle but like the chance to make mistakes and get messy without fail like crushing i wish i felt like i could have made more mistakes yeah definitely i couldn't in high school i had to get into college exactly (laughs) well and i had yeah so much pressure to go to the best college i could possibly go to yeah. How much control do you feel like you have over the classroom kind of between the um, between what's w- kind of what's expected of you with the standardized testing or the curriculum and then what you think is important and what because I mean, I assume control. You... Of the, oh, OK. I thought you were talking about like control over the kids because that is like a wild card <laughs> Those are two different questions yeah but control yeah. over over what, what kind teach. of what you teach yeah what you teach in the in the classroom so i as a science teacher the state and nationally we just prioritize math and literacy um science and social studies sort of go by the wayside and i have a little more flexibility because of that which is very nice and i can do things in my style i also work in a district where for the past, mm, I don't know, 150 years, ever <laughs> since we shut down, this will give away the district. The mill? <laughs> ever since we shut down all the mills in the town. That just will been... not give away what district you work at because we're in Maine I and there are several true. dying mill but towns. There's just been generational poverty in this district for the past 150 years and nothing has worked so far. So that's one of the nice things about working in sort of what would be called a difficult district is that you get the freedom to be like, you know what? Nothing else is working. I'm going to try this. That being said, I'm supposed to get through seven science standards a year. Um, Standard tests? No, they are basically, so there's these things called the next generation science standards. And if you went to go get a master's in education, Tim, you would know all about it, but I guess (laughs) I'll explain it. Um, And it's basically just like these scientists and teachers got together and developed like what all these kids should know at these different stages Um, and our standards are based on the next gen science standards and it's not all of them because no one can cover all of them. So someone just decided what the most important things are. And then actually like the eighth grade standards, there's like 10 of them. I pick probably the seven that I think are most important that I want to teach. And then I go from there. And so I do have a little bit of wiggle room. I'm also like allowed to sort of put whatever spin I want on all that stuff. I will say, though it is very difficult because they don't get any science until they meet me. Um, So that all makes things sort of difficult. But yes, I do sort of get to choose the lens through which we look at certain things like weather. So we're looking at weather through the focus of climate change. Mm -hmm. Thinking about that. Yeah. And, um, but... I wish it would be, I think it would be so much more helpful. Do you want me to, this wasn't the question, but I'm going to pontificate on what (laughs) I think should happen. Especially in science, we focus on science practices, like understanding measurements, using a microscope, knowing field, uh, field work methodologies, 
that people actually use in science jobs and just like drilling that scientific method through the lenses of different subjects. I think we should be graded on practices rather than content because when you get to the higher levels of science or in the trades, what matters is the practices and not if you know the content, because if you know the practices, you can learn the content on your own. Mm -hmm. And if you really understand the science, like that's what science is about is trying to learn things for your own self and learning for yourself how to interpret things. And science is constantly changing. So when we teach them content, it's like I'm when I teach them biology, when I teach them the basics of genes and genetics, the stuff I'm teaching them is already out of date. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of my take on, I guess you'd asked about control. I feel like I do have a fair amount of control, more control than other teachers, I would say, mm-hmm. but not nearly enough, I think, to get an adequate science education. Um, I uh, have a lot of control over what I teach, though it's changed a lot. So... Um, Michaela mentioned standards, and we used to be proficiency based. Like, oh, was it just last year? <laughs> I don't about his time anymore. Um, <laughs> and so our our program would go with the same standards that the mainstream did, but we made our own curriculum. So they would meet those standards, but I didn't necessarily have to read Catcher in the Rye with my kids. We mm. could read something else or do something else and have them meet those standards. Um, that is awesome and great because I can change the curriculum based on student interests. If a kid really, um, is like, okay, I, I want to get a job right now. Can we do cover letters? And I'll be like, yep, we're doing cover letters next month. Mm -hmm. Um, but what stinks about that is, like I said, I have nine through 12 and I'm really fortunate that a lot of our kids want to reapply and be in our program again. But that means I cannot do what most of the mainstream (laughs) classes do and teach the same thing again. Um, So we have to make brand new curriculum for like the entire year, either throughout the year or like during the summer, Um, which is really like it's stressful while it's happening. But it's also super rewarding because we we have a ton of stuff that we can work off of and we can work together as teachers. Um, But I don't think a lot of even my other colleagues like in the mainstream building understand the amount of work that goes into that or like understand that I'm not able to just use the blueprint is what we call them of what the other person did in sophomore English. Yeah. That's sort of interesting. We both work sort of in a different category from the mainstream because especially at the elementary and middle school level, math and literacy are these specific programs oh, yeah. that are planned out day to day? Friggin' Lucy Calkins. Yep. If I ever meet <laughs> that bitch, <laughs> she's gonna get <laughs> Lucy. This is like something like only teachers would get because the kids don't even I know the names. I interviewed at a middle school and like I I got somebody sat me down and was like, okay, you need to look up these things right now. <laughs> like you need to look up Lucy Calkins and her writing method. You need to know how to do it. What, what, who is, I don't, who slash lady. what is Lucy Calkins? A woman who was a teacher, probably what? with a doctorate, who said these are the ways that children learn how to write. So mm-hmm. it's like best practices yeah. for writing that a lot of middle school and elementary schools. But is it best practices? Who knows? Well, it yeah. probably hasn't been a reevaluated in a really long yeah. time. Um, so like people use it and it's good. It's like, and I don't want to get down on anybody who uses it because I'm sure that it is effective. Yeah. I haven't used it, but 
in the way that it's convenient sometimes to make a photocopy of a packet and yes, have a kid do exactly. it. I'm sure it's very comforting to think, oh, well, somebody else has done the work for me yep. and this is what we're doing today. And it's also probably good for students me. in some ways in that like a lot of my students find comfort whether they know it or not <laughs> in structure, like in like, okay, this is happening. I know what I'm supposed to do because I mm -hmm. feel like, especially with the trauma, they, they like when something is unexpected, it feels like a full blown like panic. But like, mm -hmm. if you're like already hate writing and then you're like, okay, I know I make a list first yeah. and then I write this, that can be really helpful to teach people how to write. Um, but I'm sure when they're adults and they might actually want to write something else, it could probably be harmful. Yeah. So it's like, yeah well, yeah. And the, the thing about public school education is that it teaches you how to write in one a, specific yep. way. A very certain way. A very certain way that doesn't always necessarily even translate to what you're going to do in college. You know, it's, it's, and it depends on where you go. Also, just like we're talking about these systems and how people use them, but the accountability in public education in all facets, in the programs that we use, making sure that teachers stay on track is just like so low. Just that, so low. The, you mean it, it feels like no one's making sure teachers yeah. stay on track well, or, um, or I think what, they're focused on that too much? What is happening, what I think is happening is like the stress level of accountability is here. Yes. So, and also like they change the way that you're going to be evaluated, it feels like nearly constantly. Yes. So like, okay, you were going to be evaluated on these four domains and you're supposed to know it. Um, but also like, let's say what happened to me, I wasn't given a mentor teacher until the last month of the year. They just like forgot I existed. Oh, my mentor teacher <laughs> who I've had for a year and a half has met with me once. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> the mentor teacher program isn't... This is, like, isn't, a state-mandated thing. Yeah, yeah, it isn't great, and oh, they, they forget, and and so then you're, like, handed this thing you have to fill out immediately, and for me, they didn't tell me how I had to fill it out, so it went um, to the certification committee, and then it got sent back because I didn't use the right verbiage. I didn't oh my use, God, I, I will, or with the help of my mentor teacher. The same exact thing happened to me and it's like it's like <laughs> three pages that you had to write and you had to find time to do it somehow yeah. and they make you make goals that you're literally like never evaluated on at the end of the year um so like you that's how you're being evaluated and you feel like you're going into it blindly and then you're like okay well my career rides on this and I've never seen it before and I was told to do it in 30 seconds and then your career then, like, absolutely does not ride on it <laughs> but then like what you're actually teaching and what matters nobody is looking at like oh, wow. I had one not so great um experience where a principal came he sat down while I was supposed to be doing duty at like the the finals like in the hallway making sure kids weren't making noise while other kids were taking finals and he sat down and he had never observed me in my classroom and he had copy and pasted uh, things from other observations and he was like does this sound good and oh I my for like once in my tiny petrified life was like no <laughs> it does not <laughs> sound good I will say so we have an evaluation system where there's an ad administrator who's assigned to you who does several evaluations a year um, no matter where you are in your career, which I really like, particularly because I really, really like my admin and they give me really good feedback. 
but it's never anything that rides on my career. They're never actually like, send me your lesson plan, lesson plans that you're told to do in education school. Do you write lesson plans? Absolutely not. Okay, I was like, why are you looking to send something that doesn't exist? (laughs) Yeah, I know, but the amount of lessons plans you need to write in education school. And I will say now, with the COVID, I make a weekly calendar with an I can statement and what we're going to do in class at the beginning of the week. I was told we had to do that by the state. You're not doing that? Um, I'm going to tell Janet Mills. I, I do <laughs> essential, Macon, ring, ring, I do ring. essential questions that none of my students or coworkers care about. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Um, but that is like the most planning. I also just generally think on my toes, and that's where probably my edu- best my best practices come from because it ends up being hyper-responsive to what students need. So I'll make slides with open-ended questions on them. And like, I guess I could make it so that takes up 20 minutes of class, but I ended up take it ends up taking an hour because we explore the kids' interests and things like that. Um, I have really enjoyed like hybrid model in a lot of ways in that it's a smaller class. We actually have read a book oh this year God. for the first time. Like the ever small class size is it's so, so nice. great. <laughs> like we especially with my group A kids who are on Monday and Tuesday and actually like know that they're supposed to be in school yeah. um they're they're like really thriving in a lot of ways because we have time and by time I mean like I have individual focus on these kids and it's quieter um but what's kind of not great about it is it's such a reduced time now because I have to have mass breaks because we have them all day mm-hmm. so they have like 15 minute mass breaks like almost every hour and they are not great at transitions as you probably know if you've ever met a teenager yeah. so they do not get right back yeah. <laughs> uh, on the 15 ready to go so like I plan out what I want to do and it for a day and it ends up taking a week because we like do not have time like I want to hook them like you want to play like I don't know an interesting two minute video and then like ask for their response or like uh we'll read a quick poem and that will take up the majority of the time and we don't like I don't want to give them a writing assignment that's supposed to be 30 minutes when we only have 15 minutes like Mm -hmm. so also if you and and because we sort of we in a way work with similar populations if you have any sort of crisis, which happens uh, quite often in our line of work, that can completely derail everything. And yeah. you have to be able to rearrange your total schedule. Um, one time in the first year of our program, uh, during a break, a kid, there's not like a forest, but there's like a group of trees mm-hmm. behind our building. A kid went in there and he kicked a hornet's nest. <gasps> and then he came running back the into the boy classroom. Who kicked the hornet's nest. And just brought all the bees with him. And like oh, no. he was he was actually great about it. He was like covered in bees under his clothes. Like and he just stood very still. But the nurse came, like we called her and she came running over and she like sh- had to shove kids out because they are the they're chaos brain. They're like running oh, around. Oh my god. And obviously oh, and the whole day is bees. like over. They're yeah, just right? like they think they're going also, I mean, that is actually a situation where their bees are a real issue. But like to start kids from plus bees just like a insects, bee, it's like ruined it's your whole day. Insane. A bee outside your classroom that they can see from the window. They're all going to run. At oh, my it. God. We have Bates just cross country team boys that run by and the girls are gone for 20 minutes. <laughs> Oops. Gave away my district. <laughs> <laughs> Since you're dealing with uh, with with kids every day and they are quite literally the future 
Um, do you feel do you feel hopeful for the their generation, um, or are you nervous? I do see progress in a lot of ways, um, even in sort of like the place I work where there is a lot of tension between mm-hmm. different groups of people. Queerness is a non-issue. It's it's yeah. like an absolute non-issue. Yeah. I will, well, I will say kids will say like, that's gay. But then I'll interrupt that and I'll tell them and they'll think about it and they'll be like, well, I, I mean, being gay is fine. I'm friends with blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's still stupid to say it, but there, there's less insidious um it's not as yeah it's not as 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 hate-filled yeah it's it's really just not the kid i would say like the queer kids for the most part get left alone yeah hopefully it's not just the sort of thing where i'm totally missing it but as someone i think you know i have pretty strong relationships with a lot of queer kids and i feel like i would know Mm -hmm. a little bit more about it I am hopeful and I do see, especially in Maine and the district I work at, that's like super diverse and has a large population of immigrants and black people in a way that the rest of Maine really doesn't besides maybe Portland. I see kids who just are growing up knowing how to interact with people who are other than them in a much better way than I saw when I was growing up. I also see kids who are super, super engaged in social issues in a way that I've never seen before. Um, So so I do feel a lot of hope. I worry about literacy quite a bit. Um, It feels like so many kids just like can't read, which is really scary. But also I wonder there's so much, even though that's one of the main focuses. And perhaps this is even like, oh yeah, well, it's a main focus because it has to be a main focus. But like, Maybe perhaps this is a modern, another podcast, but I almost wonder if we're evolving beyond literacy. But you mentioned being literate in your own subject area. Literate. Uh, I, so, I don't like, mean reading. I So when I say literacy. I know, science, but that is the same thing in like communication. You you can be literate in different forms of communication. Perhaps, that perhaps I mean moving beyond not literacy, but moving beyond uh reading <laughs> which sounds way dumb visual visual I'm learning eat my words <laughs> and go back to being a bartender um i'm gonna answer the prompted question and not the provocative question <laughs> that's happening in michaela's eyes um but i i keep saying this but i'm also in an interesting position because i'm working at the school that i graduated from so mm-hmm. i can see progress in a in a long term way that I feel like maybe even teachers who work there and have worked there for a long time can't necessarily see because mm. they didn't go through that school system. Um, but it's it's a double-edged sword because I can see the things that were still awful because like I wasn't very affluent when I went there. I wasn't like super poor, but I wasn't um, affluent and I was an only child and my parents had never been to college which like I was in honors and AP classes so my teachers never even thought about how what I wasn't literate in <laughs> like yeah. how I didn't know how to apply to college I didn't know these things and there was nobody helping me do that 
Um, but now we have what we call an aspirations coordinator. And even that is a huge step because mm -hmm. she can be there and know that there are first generation, who the first generation college mm -hmm. students are and what they need. Whereas like when I went there, I asked for scholarships and the secretary and guidance just pointed to a box and told oh me to look God. into it. And like, I yeah. was like, cool, I guess I will die working in the seafood section of Hannaford <laughs> and I hate my life. Um, you still might die working in the seafood <laughs> no, section of Hannaford. I'm never going back. I don't care what happens. What about the seafood section of Shaw's? Um, no. Market basket. You know what? I'm not a what fish. What something nice? I quit Whole being foods. a fishmonger. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so that's good. I'm also the civil rights um, team supervisor at my school. So I get to hear a lot of, I would say, the, the things that students wish would change. Um, so I get to see how those things are changing. Like I get mm. to see how teachers are really willing to put in the effort to do that. Um, but I also get to see how some teachers are resistant to that for their own personal reasons or resistant to that because their oh, teachers can be so resistant. They can. And, but some of it, like, even though I don't think it's the appropriate reaction to it mm -hmm. is because they're being asked to do so, so much. Yeah, and they're like, guess what? I'm not. Good. An activist. So, no, I'm not yeah. taking time out of pre-calc to talk about this. Um, so I get to to get frustrated and disheartened with how things haven't changed since I've been in high school there. But I also get to see, like, my program, <laughs> the dropout program, that used to just be, like, a credit recovery room where if you if you wanted to graduate, graduate, if you wanted to be the first person in your family to graduate, you could go sit in that room and make up all the classes that you failed mm -hmm. has become like this community, um, that has used to have field trips every week. Like that is my favorite part is like having, being able to give a kid an experience that they never had before and never could even think that they could have had before. Like, like going on a train or something they were like whoa I didn't know this was an option or like seeing different jobs like mm -hmm. and that way it really opens up a lot of opportunities that like they never even knew existed and that creates like a lot of hope I think I just want to mention Leah's the civil rights team advisor I am the anime club advisor <laughs> <laughs> she makes a difference and here's what the kids want to change I see 12 year olds get horny-eated cartoons <laughs> <laughs> the weebs need people too. Is weebs a thing? Is that like well, I could get into the importance of anime clubs, but it is like a catch-all for kids who community. feel like they don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. People need community. Yeah. And I remember like trying this is a very embarrassing story and that it's also very boring. But like a lot of my friends who were older than me in high school, they were into anime. And I remember like wanting to go to PortCon. And then I got nervous because, like, I didn't have a group to go with. And I walked in the door and saw all the people. And I had made my dad drive me there. And I just turned around and I, I walked like, back to the car. <laughs> but, like, community is so important. Like, a sense of belonging yeah, can it, keep sure. kids well, in school. that's how I've made yeah. so many connections to queer students. Because a lot of kids, like, feel as though they can more express their sexuality with anime in a way. Or explore it. Like, or explore, explore different yeah, stories. Yeah, I mean. yeah, express or explore. And just, like, alternative from what they're fed normally. Or explore different cultures, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Community. It's important. But um, kind of to wrap it up, after hearing uh, how soul-crushingly uh, underfunded and kind of underserving 
public schools are. <laughs> um, what do you think is kind of one or two things that you think they are doing well, if any? We're we're giving time to think. The silence is not concerning. <laughs> yeah, no, I truly want to think about what because I do think there are things that public schools do well. To me, I I I regularly say this to my colleagues who don't believe this, but America's public schools are our foremost socialist institution, um, and there are things that are good that come out of this. I think in part because so much is not met elsewhere. Um, so I think yeah. Nutrition programs at schools are incredible. Um, kids who normally would not get a meal that day get two. Um, but that's partially Title One, which is this whole program that takes like the lowest. I forget what percentage of schools it is, but it's it's a certain poverty line, and everyone gets provided. It's instead of like you have to get in the free and reduced lunch line. It's like everyone blanket gets uh, meals. I also think connections. To social 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 services connections to social services in general is a really is a good thing that public schools do um and i think there's just like the ability like with a good teacher can make a huge difference in a kid's life so those three things but so we do good things yeah i mean there's the classics i what was going to say the same thing like a lot of my students are food insecure like all of them have the capability of being on free and reduced lunch whether mm -hmm. they take that opportunity or not is up to them and their families but like throughout the pandemic even when we were just like pretty much straight up closed for two weeks because the school was like I don't know what to do like yeah. when when March 13th hit and they were still giving out food um every day uh but I think just creating like you never have the opportunities that you have when you are in high school or college because you have the structure you have social work workers that you can see you have guidance to help you even if they do just point to a box and tell you to look through it um which they don't anymore which you is great teachers that care about you yeah and think about you constantly and you have clubs so maybe you don't love anime but you go there because your friend drags you there and you want to be around those people you get to experience new things and I think that's a big thing that public education does is that if you are at home and your parents have like one thing that they enjoy but they don't know about all these other opportunities the school has like different clubs and different people that you can create a community with and you can you can learn Chinese and Chinese club you can uh, learn history in the civil rights club or um, go and learn about different protests or some of our students um, the the Juneteenth rally not that we had anything to do with it but she was a recent graduate who sort of organized that and obviously that gave me a ton of hope even though that's not directly related to the school mm -hmm. um that she had the organizational skills and the passion to do that that school hadn't beaten the passion out of her yeah um, whether it had tried to or not I don't know but like <laughs> that is that is really hopeful so you can find people in groups there yeah. And it's a place that cultivates those ideas. And, it, and in the public school system, I really do think, and maybe this comes from a place of privilege, but I do think if you have the passion and you make it known as a student, there is a teacher or a guidance counselor or an administrator or a social worker who will help you 
get connected to that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'd be hard pressed if a kid told me they were hugely interested in something and they wanted to pursue it, we'd be able to find a way. That's great. That's great. Well, if either of you like ever need someone to come in to class and talk about talk uh, about beer, talk- <laughs> um, don't don't joke because I dragged yeah. Brendan Williams into my class the other day. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, my uh, co-teacher was doing a unit on ASL and talking about hearing impaired and deaf culture, and I was like, I got a friend. Yeah. <laughs> So well, we'll we'll bring you in. Don't yeah, threaten me. I'll with just a good come time. in and tell them I kind of like that Chris Farley, like you could you, you, yeah, yeah. I could come river. in and do that and just tell them how much of a, a gift learning is. A gift. Um, yeah, because I think like now I think about how much I would like to be in school, which is the weird thing about school. I feel like yeah. we teach kids at the age they're Don't the least receptive to it. Bigger. That you song. don't know what you got. So let's go. Gone. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess you could just play that song, and then you didn't. You wouldn't have to bring me in. <laughs> you could just play just that song Mitchell and be like Tim Duffy speak. said to play this well, song. You know, Show him a picture of me do you and use have the him scientific roast method me. in your everyday life. Uh, yeah. Well, then I mean, let's talk about it. Bring you in. Actually, I don't know. I <laughs> in homeschooling science like, science wasn't a priority in homeschooling. Do so, yeah, so. I bet the Mormon faith does yeah. not prioritize <laughs> genetics and uh, no, no, that wasn't that wasn't prioritized. Perhaps but. physics to launch your spaceship, right? Am I hating on Mormons that's too different, much? Yeah, that's, that's not. different. I thought there's a space aspect. Anyways, <laughs> consult Mormons. the plates and tell us what's yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> plates that is Mormon. <laughs> yeah. That's Mormon. Plates? Yeah, golden plates. He found the plates. In upstate like... New York. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank I'm still you. learning about how to do this. Slim so. Timothy. I, I actually had a student who would get really upset that I wouldn't say you're welcome because I would say, like, no problem or, like. I always say and, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Really. He, yeah. he was of like, course. that's not polite. <laughs> 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 Sorry. You're welcome. Day not. <laughs>